Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Yes, the Women in Tech podcast Puma Collection is now live and available at shop.womenintechshow.com. That's shop.womenintechshow.com. Make sure to send us a confirmation of your order because we have something extra special, a little surprise for you. Reach out to us on any of the social handles at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and we will make sure to get you the extra special surprise. The hoodies and fleeces are so sick. You guys voted on them, decided which ones we should roll with, and I absolutely love it. Check out the photos that we have on the site, shop.womenintechshow.com. That's shop.womenintechshow.com. Having your first startup, being a consumer startup, not knowing anything about startups is probably one of the hardest things that you can do. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hi, this is Joe Peterson. I'm the Vice President of Cloud and Security with Clarify 360. I've been listening to the Women in Tech podcast for about a year, and I was drawn in by the energy and enthusiasm of the Women in Tech podcast. Esprit does a really great job in sharing stories of women in tech so that young female listeners can put themselves in the shoes of these women speaking. See, I strongly believe that if we don't show young women the way forward in tech by sharing our stories, they won't know what's possible. The stories are what creates the value and inspiration. Great job, guys. To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. Clutter. Oh my gosh, have I had so much clutter everywhere for so long. Just, it's like I don't even see it anymore because I'm just walking past it all the time. I don't know if you've experienced the same So what I've been doing is I've just made it my intention that before this year ends, 2020 ends, I will really proactively and aggressively get rid of the clutter. I do not want to be going into a reset of a new year with old baggage, right? And so just clutter. And I found this amazing guy off of TaskRabbit. His name is Brandon. Message me. 
If you're in L.A. and you want his information, he's so reliable, so trustworthy. He's been incredible at helping me get rid of the clutter. But if anything, go out, find your local organizer to help you, especially with the holidays coming up. We want to feel like a good, clean, like abundant, high frequency start to the new year. And we definitely don't want to be drowned by our clutter. I know that I don't. And honestly, it's something that I could have done when I was studying James Clear, which I also want to get back into before uh, the new year. James Clear is the author of Atomic Habits. He talks about just doing things for two minutes at a time. And I got so much done doing things that way, just two minutes done, because you end up doing a little bit more. Well, when I try to just do it all in one day, it just doesn't happen, right? And so if I was just consistent the whole time doing two minutes a day, it would be a non-issue. And then that's when I call like an SOS to Brandon, you know? So Definitely, definitely, definitely think about like your space, your surroundings, if it's giving you the most abundant atmosphere to work in, to thrive in. And if it's not like revisit it, think about how you could reprioritize your time. That's exactly what I'm doing right now at this end of year. And I'm just feeling like this conclusion of the year is going to be amazing. As I'm recording this right now, there's 26 days left in the year, maybe 25. I'm not sure, 25 or 26. And I just want to make the most of every minute, every last one of them so that I know that I am taking the action I want to take to create the life that I want. Not to sound so cheesy, but you get what I mean. All right. Bye, guys. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast. So excited for our next guest based in Silicon Valley. Yes. Helena. Did I say it right? Yes, yes, you did it perfectly. I slowed Good down job. because I was just like, I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> you did amazing. I do and not want to mess it up. And thank you for the energy. Oh my God, I love the energy. I am so excited. First of all, thank you for being such an inclusive amazing community supporter. Like from the moment that we connected, I just felt like you had my back. You're one of those people. So before we even go into the formal intro, I just want to thank you for being just one of those wonderful people in the world that makes me feel like I'm not alone in my journey. Well, you're so welcome. And I feel like it's all about that magic of paying it forward and being there for each other. I feel like that's life. You know, that's the essence of life. Totally. <laughs> you know, Completely. Each other. Completely. Yeah. So to kick things off, go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do, a little of a formal intro. Helena Ronis, CEO and co-founder of All Factors. All Factors is an inside-driven web marketing analytics software that automatically configures itself on a website to measure button clicks, form submissions, media plays, and readership. And it's designed to uncover insights for marketers to easily basically create a data-driven strategy to grow uh, their business. And it's not just for marketers, it's for anyone who has a website and wants to use their data to grow their business. Amazing. Let's start from, let's see, I think I want to switch it up today. Usually this is a question I ask later in the interview, but I kind of want to kick it off with this one today. In your career, I mean, you're doing so much and you've accomplished so much in technology and in the investment world. What has been a huge obstacle that you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like when you become a founder, your life is 
an everyday obstacle that you need to overcome. So there's this class in, in like in school. It's either a business class or psychology class. It's basically the Maslow hierarchy of needs. And the basic need of humans on the bottom, the basic needs, the basic need of humans on the bottom is the uh, need of security, uh, feeling like you're secure. And you kind of lose that as a founder because you don't have someone paying the bills. You need to do everything. The saying in entrepreneurship uh, that it feels like you're uh, flying a plane, you're basically falling off a cliff while trying to build a pl- the plane. It's so true. And because of that, you have different obstacles every day. And the only way to overcome it, like to answer the question, how do you overcome it? You overcome it in your head. You can be down a little bit, right? Uh, we're all down, but it's all about being your own psychologist almost. I call it talking to yourself in your head. Totally. Self-limiting beliefs, imposter syndrome. It's real. (laughs) Yeah. And and it's just, you have to believe in yourself. And it definitely helps when there are people who are positive around you. But you will not always have that. You will have disappointments. And you need to find ways to overcome those disappointments. And the only way that I found that always works is just reminding yourself why you're doing what you're doing. And even if someone doesn't believe in you, you believe in yourself. And and most of all, you believe in your intuition. Because a lot of times we we can be almost brainwashed, but by something (laughs) in our life, it can be a conversation that wasn't that positive, especially with fundraising, right? And yeah, just reminding yourself that you, you're you're figuring it out and you will always move forward as long as you try to to sort of learn on that journey. So always be confident and always be learning. That's how I overcome obstacles. I love it. And as we flow into your story, you actually, before we started recording, shared with me a couple great resources. You run uh, the largest Facebook group for female founders, as well as you shared with me other resources for women in tech and founders. Can you share what some of the resources are? Let's just kick it off with all the value right up front. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Uh, Yeah. The um, Women Founders uh, Community, that's the name, Facebook group, is uh, the largest group for women founders of startups on Facebook. And it's important for women founders, specifically of startups, to have a community because it's a very unique journey when you are building a startup that's supposed to raise funding and be sort of, quote-unquote, venture-backed, although you can bootstrap a startup that can IPO. And really what they mean by venture-backed, it means you will have a some sort of an exit in the future, the best exit being an IPO, a liquidity event. And those type of startups, they have patterns about them and the founder's journey is unique. And so that community is there to help each other. So that's the biggest resource. And then there are a bunch of other things for female founders. There's accelerators, but I think ultimately, oh, of course, there is the Y Combinator. Well, there's two things. There is Alpha, which we talked about earlier. Alpha, the um, online community uh, for um, for just tech. Can you uh, spell it for tech. everybody? Yeah, so it's E-L-P-H-A. 
alpha.com, alpha.com. It's um, an online community. It's like a forum, but way more than a forum uh, for women in tech. There's a lot of founders there as well as just women working in startups. And yeah, it's amazing. There's a lot of amazing conversations, great resources. So definitely everyone should check it out. And then what I found really useful uh, generally for founders of startups is the Y Combinator Startup School. Anyone can do it. You just submit a form and they accept you. <laughs> everyone, I, She's making like the quote marks. <laughs> yeah, like, they, everyone they accept you. Okay, Listen, not like the to, Y Combinator. To Helena and I, you are accepted. <laughs> exactly, you are accepted. We believe in yes. you. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing because you have all of the material that you will ever need as a founder in one place to learn everything, especially if you're a first-time founder and some of the fundamentals, you want to learn them quickly. And I remember being in that situation. My first startup was in 2012. I had no idea about anything. I remember having a call with a founder and he was. we were talking about what entity to incorporate. And he was saying C-Corp, Delaware. And I had no idea what he was talking about. Of course, today I know a lot about it. I know because there's not much to know, actually. Once you know the basics, that's pretty much it. It doesn't change. But really, it's all about knowing the basics and reducing your learning curve where you can get all of the information that you need quickly in one place. And that's what startup school, the YC startup school has. You basically enter their library and they have all the topics, product market fit, how to do customer discovery interviews, how to find co-founders, how to fundraise, basically all the topics. So those are the three resources, the Women Founders Community Facebook group, which I run, the alpha.com community online, the YC Startup School. I feel like before YC Startup School, I said something else. No, I think that, well, you said applying to the accelerator. I know that we were talking about the accelerator for, what is it, Startups Like the Rest of Us? Yeah, Startups for the Rest of Us, the podcast. They have they have an accelerator as well. And Startups right. for the Rest of Us podcast is a great podcast. Which is the most amazing, yeah. For someone who loves to build and don't want to be reliant on investors, the only thing that you can control is you moving forward and building things. You cannot control if someone will give you money or not. And when I listen to startups for the rest of us, it's all about we are building it and no one is stopping us. The only thing that's stopping us is us not doing something. But we, uh, we are the drivers of our destiny. And that's what I love. I love when I can be the driver of my destiny. Now, I'm also in the Silicon Valley. And here, everything is about fundraising. Uh, so although I listen to the Startups for the Rest of Us podcast and I get inspired about building product, I also realize that I'm in the perfect place to do raise funding. And the awesome thing is actually if you build a great product and you do great go-to-market strategy and you basically have the growth curve, you don't end up in a situation where you need to chase investors. So it's a, it's basically a win-win. If you build like the um, 
startups for the rest of us podcast teaches you to build, guess what? What You're going to raise money pretty easily. So that's why I love that podcast because it's pure value for for startups. But it is SaaS. It's very much SaaS-oriented. And when it comes to startups, there are different businesses. There is, you know, obviously consumer, very different from SaaS. My first startup was consumer, so I learned a lot about what to do and not to do in consumer. One thing that I learned is that SaaS is easier to bootstrap because you can make revenue faster. And I really love SaaS. Like my entire time nowadays is spent on how to do SaaS marketing, how to grow SaaS. Software as a service, software as a service. Yeah. Right. Software as a service. Yeah. The KPIs for SaaS. Yeah. I'm like, I follow all the thought leaders in SaaS. That's my world right now. So Justin Jackson has a podcast as well. Build your SaaS. He may still have that podcast called Product People. He has the podcast Build Your SaaS. I was a huge fan of Product People. I'm talking about huge. I even advertised on Product People back in 2011, 2012, because just as a fan, I wanted, it was so exciting to have my brand on the Product People's podcast. So Definitely check out everything Justin Jackson. But I want to get into um, allfactors.com, your company. But before I do, you shared something so awesome with me, kind of like investor theory. And I hadn't heard it before. So I imagine a lot of people listening haven't heard it before either. So could you share it with us again? I know you shared it with me personally, but can you share it with all of us so that we could all like understand what that is as we build our companies? Yes. For SaaS companies specifically, there's a pattern that proved itself in understanding how you should grow in terms of revenue. It's called T2D3. And what it stands for is triple, triple, double, double, double. T2, triple twice, double, three times. T2D3. And it basically tells you that in the first year, as a SaaS startup, whether you raised funding or did not raise funding, you should try to get to a million in ARR, annual recurring revenue. Now, if you're a bootstrapper and you were able to get to that, that's freaking amazing. Like if I'm an investor and you go to a million in one year, that's phenomenal. Take my money. In the next year, you should get to three million. And then the year after, 9 million. So you tripled in year one and year two, from year one to year two, from year two to year three. And then in the next years, you double year over year. And that way you will be on the path to making 100 million in ARR, which puts you at 1 billion in valuation. And that turns you into, quote unquote, a unicorn. But really what it means is that you are in a good situation to IPO in the next few years. And what is IPO? It's going public to the stock market. Initial public offering. That's what it stands for. And in that case, it's where you make your money. Everyone finally gets rewarded for all of that very difficult journey, right? And it's also you creating so much goodness for the world. Obviously, you created many jobs throughout the years getting to the IPO, but also now you're a public company, the public can enjoy buying your stock, you're growing even further, you're creating great products. So that's how economy is basically, you know, that's the cycle of economy. And it's very difficult, obviously, to get to an IPO, 
because there are so many things that you um, have to figure out. But it's very useful to know patterns because if you know a playbook, if you know a pattern, it's easier to have goals and to sort of shoot for those goals. And I really like to have a goal because that means that you can do things to get to that goal. If there is one thing that I learned through my observation and observation of other founders and just other creators that are trying to get things done is that there is sort of an accumulating effect of uh, doing actions every day. Even if the action doesn't yield the result you want that specific day, usually what happens if you don't have a goal, the next day you kind of give up, kind of feel like, oh, I didn't get the result yesterday. Some I kind of am discouraged. But if you have a goal and it's like, well, I have to get to that goal. So even if I didn't get it yesterday, what I wanted, I'm going to try twice as hard today because I have a goal. And if what I was doing is not working, let me figure out why it's not working. Let me try something else because I have this freaking goal and I have to get to it. So that's why I love goals. And the um, triple, triple, double, double, double is a great uh, framework for SaaS companies. So when Helena, Helen, uh, (laughs) when Helena um, said it to me the first time, I'm like, the first thing you guys, some of you will laugh, I'm sure. I thought, oh, it's like contra cheat code, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, (laughs) B-A-B-A. I'll never forget the contra cheat code. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, okay. I'm, and I never want to make assumptions. I know uh, a lot of you know what IPO is, but this podcast is about being really inclusive and we're at all different stages of our journey. So I like to break it down. So no matter who's listening, you all feel it's possible no matter what stage in the game that you're in. So thank you so much for explaining it to us because I know just some, you know, we have everybody from people starting out in their career to people who have had their company acquired for zillions and we do our best to just be relatable to everybody in between and at the beginning and at the end and everywhere. Okay. So I want to get into all factors. So tell us a little bit about all factors and what does it do? Who does it serve? And what do you do day to day? Yes. All factors is a web marketing analytics software for websites. And you want to understand your data and you want to use your data to drive your business forward then you should be using all factors. And the reason we started it, now we're building the product. There's a private beta right now. The private beta is going to be free. And uh, products like that are usually very expensive. If anyone wants to go to the website and check it out, they can join the invite list and then we'll start onboarding of the invite list soon. The reason me and my co-founders started the company is because actually it's a pivot. And um, if you look at sort of the the Cinderella stories almost, the the overnight success, like Slack is one of them. It's not really an overnight success. In fact, it's quite the difficult story that probably would have failed if the founders did not just persevere. And that's usually what a good pivot is. And so in our case, we have a product called VoxSnap. It's the first startup we started. And it's related to audio. It's converting written blog posts into audio that can be embedded on the web page to listen and can be distributed as a podcast episode in your podcast. So it's narrated content. And when I started it, I basically, I love audio. I love listening to audio books, to podcasts. And when I couldn't listen to articles, 
I realized, well, this is an opportunity to specifically for people who need to do marketing and, and want to increase their engagement on page so people can listen, so visitors can listen when they come to your page. And just to break that down, one of the growth tactics to make your company more successful is the longer someone stays on your website, the better it is for you. So that that's what you're right. what you're sharing. Right. right? Yeah. The on page engagement increases when you can have a visitor engage with your page longer. Uh, and audio can do that. Audio and video. But then you also have the world of the podcasting apps. So you have Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, there's so many. And when you're able to distribute audio to those podcasts, you immediately open a new channel to millions of new users, uh, listeners. Of course, you need to do a good podcast. You can also run ads. You don't have to have your own podcast. But the um, ability to distribute your content into audio does create that immediate audience. Even if it's just a few hundreds, it's better than zero. And having that presence opens that new channel. So that's the other benefit of audio, converting blog posts into audio. And that's what that initial product did. And so what we realized is that although it's a great solution, the market is quite small for that. Because converting your blog posts into audio is not the same as creating a podcast, uh, creating that interview-style podcast, that engaging experience. That so we're in currently that case, experiencing. <laughs> exactly. That's so meta. Um, and although we have amazing customers that are using uh, VoxSnap for their blog posts, we're not growing in the triple, triple, double, 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 right? And that's a problem, especially for an ambitious founder. And so what I realized is that we actually, we needed to solve two problems. The first problem, it was the growth. But then if you don't grow as a startup, you have a few options. You can stop working on the startup and go do something else. Usually finding a job or joining a different startup. And that's probably the option if you just stop working on it. Uh, you can continue working on it, but that's kind of why. <laughs> if you're not growing and not really making money, you're just wasting your time. It's a hobby. Or you can find if there is a better opportunity that you are uncovering with that initial execution that you can capitalize on. And that's what we realized. Uh, we realized that there was a very painful problem, pain point, as they say, that we came across that we would never come across, by the way, if we didn't do that startup. And that was, we have an embeddable player on the webpage and we can tell you how it's being engaged with, how many clicks, how many listens. But let's say if 10% listens and 90% reads, but we don't know the readership percentage, well, that's, that's not very useful. I mean, useful to some extent, but not to the actual uh, bigger percentage. And so then we started digging in the analytics tools that are, you know, the, the ones that everyone uses, Google Analytics being the first one. And we realized how difficult it is to measure those basic things, even things like button clicks across your website, form submissions. Even media plays, let's say it's not the audio, let's say it's a video. All of those things need to be manually configured 
by a JavaScript developer <laughs> that needs to know what they're doing uh, specifically for that uh, purpose of configuring analytics. And if you update your website, and by the way, that's very costly, obviously, because you need to hire a JavaScript developer. But then once you update your website, you need to do it again. And it's so frustrating. And when we looked at the analytics tools, like we couldn't find one that does it automatically. And we said, okay, well, this is a hairy problem. Uh, of course, we were in a good position of having customers who are marketers. So we were able to ask them about that and confirm that it's a pain point for them as well. But then I went one step forward and I ended up doing 56 customer discovery interviews with marketers, with people who basically want to grow their site traffic and understand their data, which can, by the way, be a founder. Like I'm, I'm a founder who's doing marketing. If it's a small startup, it's going to be the founder. We heard the same problem every time. Google Analytics is frustrating. I don't want to waste my engineering time on it. I'm kind of stuck. There's nothing better that's easy. There is um, Adobe Analytics, which is very expensive. And obviously, they cater to big companies. It's not for small business. But then also, it's the same problem. Even when you uh, do have the budget for it, you still need to allocate engineering time for configuration. A waste of time. So in the spirit of no code and future of work, this is the perfect startup for that, the perfect product for it. And everyone needs um, to understand their data, especially in the COVID era, where I, I saw a line somewhere. I'm like, oh, that's, that's a perfect line. I'm going to use that. The line is moving from bricks to clicks, right? From, from brick and mortar to actually online. There's so much traffic online because everyone is stuck at home. It's a little easier, but you, you never know what's going to happen in the next few months. And so there's so much online traffic. And websites are receiving that traffic. And if, we, if they can easily understand how to use that data to drive their business, I mean, that's why that data is there. But there's so much data and it takes time to extract those insights. So it should be easier. So yeah, I'm very excited about all factors because it's a product that has a huge market and a huge pain point, And we are in a perfect position to solve it. Without the previous startup, we would never probably come across that problem. Even if we would find that working as a marketer at another company, we would probably ignore it, right? But because we were facing that problem and we were trying to, to solve it for ourselves and for our customers, and we had the skills on board, my co-founder is a full-stack developer who worked on analytics at AppDynamics, we were in an ideal position to figure it out and solve it because it's not easy to build a good analytics tool. And so in that case, we realized that's our opportunity and we decided to go for it full, full speed forward. So before we move forward, because I want to get into your story, but of course, before we move into the last portion of our conversation, uh, which is like your story on like how you got involved in the tech world. First, how can people connect with you on Twitter, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on email? What's best for you? LinkedIn is great for business connections. Twitter is great for anything, business, social, anything. Uh, Facebook, also good. Uh, the name is Helen Aronis, H-E-L-E-N-A-R-O-N-I-S. And my handle on um, Twitter and Instagram is Curious Laney, 
which is C-U-R-I-O-U-S, curious, and Eleni, L-E-Y-N-E. And I have a quick question that I usually ask at the very end, but we're doing everything different today. Have you been on a podcast before? That's my first time. Oh my gosh. Okay. I get so excited. I hope that everybody poaches all of my guests because it's just, I'm so elated to be a part of your journey, kicking it off into the world of like podcasting and more and more exposure. Ah, like first of many to come. I know, right? You know, when I IPO my company in five to seven years, we can listen to this podcast again for well when it's all started. And I was literally in the process of building it and talking about it. I hope we can get to that day to re-listen to it. And you guys have no idea. It's Friday night, 8 p.m. And this is what we're doing. We're sharing your insights and your journey. Like that's how committed she is to, to like, listen, Helena has been so amazing at supporting me. Did I say it right that time? I'm trying so hard. Okay, cool. At supporting me and Champion Community. I know with all of my heart from intuition that she is literally just sharing to empower you. So I just think it's so special that you're investing your time this way. She spent time with me before the call where we were just jamming one another. I heard a term lately. I know we're both on the Clubhouse app and I, we, I've been hearing this term that I've never heard before, giving flowers. Had you heard that term before Clubhouse? I haven't. What is Have it you mean? heard it on Clubhouse? I actually, I don't think I've heard it, giving flowers. I've heard it in the last 48 hours. Everybody's like giving flowers, giving flowers. And it means digitally complimenting somebody, digitally giving someone oh, I love. love that. I, I love, love that. it. So I feel like we've been giving one another flowers like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, in this world, especially the entrepreneurship world, again, it's all about helping each other. We mentioned that before. But it's like, every, that's how everyone moves forward. And that's not only us are moving forward, but also, you know, the future generation almost, right? If we help each other, everything moves forward better and people that come after us. If we are the role models, right, of people that kind of look up to us and that can be another founder who's growing up and going to be, become a founder one day, and she's looking at someone who succeeded and then she's looking at her story and she's helping other founders and she elevates everyone else with her. That's a great role model. Like, I don't want the role model that succeeded, but they, you know, were stepping on people while succeeding. I don't want that. You know? Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And before we go into your history and we wrap it up and talking about your history, can you just share with us what your day-to-day looks like? Like, what is your superpower? My superpower in one word is perseverance. And what's your day-to-day look like? How do you persevere day-to-day? Where does that show up? Yeah. So as a founder right now, I'm wearing five hats. So I'm basically doing five full-time jobs. Product management being the first one, working with developers every day to drive the product forward. Uh, Marketing being in tandem with the product since we're doing pre-launch marketing. Sales is going to be the next one as soon as we release the product. Customer support is going to be in tandem with that. And then CEO duties, which is everything related to accounting, 
keeping the books good and uh, fundraising. Fundraising is uh, absolutely a CEO duty. And uh, when you fundraise, only that consumes your entire time. So actually right now, I'm trying to spend more time on building the product and doing pre-launch marketing, which actually moves the needle in the business. And we do have enough money right now to be able to do that because we did raise an angel round in the previous product. So I'm focusing 100% on that product and marketing right now. And let's get jump into your story. So when did you first become passionate about technology? Yes. So I was born in Ukraine. And when I was five years old, my family immigrated to Israel. And growing up in Israel, I lived in a small town in South Israel and ended up going to a school in South Israel that's basically the tech school of Air Force. In Israel, it's mandatory to serve the military for all citizens, men or women. That specific school, it was technical, electrical engineering or um, Uh, mechanical engineering, you kind of choose your major when you join the school from ninth grade. So I studied in that school, I studied electrical and computer engineering from ninth grade, and I was wearing uh, Air Force uniform from ninth grade. And then the purpose of that school is to educate basically youth for specific jobs that they can do in the military. And so it's partially sponsored by the Air Force, so it's subsidized. And once you finish that high school, you end up doing that job in the military, specifically in the sort of major that you're in, either the electrical, computer engineering, or mechanical. So mine was electrical and computer. And that's where I learned the basics. Like I learned what is programming and C and C++. I learned how a computer is built. And my technical understanding comes from there. Then when I finished that school, I served in the Air Force for two years. Women served two years, men served three years. And then after you finish your military service, only then you go to college. And so that's why there's so many startups in Israel, because you get trained in the military, you get disciplined, and then you have all of these awesome ideas you go to college and then you execute uh, the ideas. So in my case, I ended up studying after the military uh, business because that's what I really wanted to study. I love psychology. So I wanted to study psychology. I wanted to be a psychologist, but then I realized it's very much not for me the path of studying for so many years because I'm more of a doer. I can study for a little bit, but if I study for too long... Uh, it uh, frustrates me. I love doing. I love creating. After finishing the major, the business marketing major in Israel, I moved to the Bay Area. I worked for uh, in real estate for two years. In 2010, I moved to the Bay Area. So from 2010 to 2012, I worked in real estate. And then the reason I entered the tech world is because I had an idea an idea for a mobile app, a location-based social networking app to help me find activity uh, friends. Because I was working in real estate, very much a world where you have like older sort of folks. I was like, you know, graduated college, came to the Bay Area, not many friends. So uh, I wanted to do rock climbing and I didn't really find any good social apps. 
for that. So I said, I'll build one. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. And that's how it all started. And it was such a journey. Having your first startup, being a consumer startup, not knowing anything about startups is probably one of the hardest things that you can do uh, because consumer is very unique in a way where you do need capital with consumer because you are not going to be making money until you get to a certain point of scale, at which point you can monetize. The best examples, of course, are Facebook, Twitter, uh, name the social network that raised a lot of money. Uh, were burning cash until they were able to get to a point where they can start doing advertisements. In that case, someone who doesn't know what fundraising is <laughs> and doesn't have and doesn't have the network, it's not gonna happen. You just gonna you're gonna try. Obviously, I tried, but I had no idea what what it's all about, and I didn't come from a place where, in terms of just network, that could just give me, you know, invest in the entrepreneur that can figure it out. Because most investors, they, they invest in the business, like quite frankly. There's the notion of, oh, people invest in you before they invest in the business. Yeah, if you have the network, they invest in you. If, they, if you don't have the network, they invest in the business. And they believe that you can execute the business. And the consumer doesn't have a business. You have an idea and you, you need to show traction. But nonetheless... I did burn through all my savings and I did find some co-founders. At first, it was just working with remote developers and then finding folks in the Bay Area. But ultimately, that startup did not succeed because I was not able to raise funding and it did not scale to a point where I could monetize. But I will tell you, it was the best school that I could ever go through. No a- MBA could have taught me what I learned. <laughs> what a startup <laughs> failure taught you. <laughs> from, from executing, I would position it, you know, they say failing, like in Silicon Valley, failing is very welcome. And I would actually not name it failure. I would name it as just learning through executing. And if you end up, I'm also in this notion of I hate giving up. I'm not someone who who likes to give up. I always try to find a way to make something work. And so with that startup, I was actually in the process of figuring out something better. I love uh, fitness, health and fitness. So the way I wanted to sort of transition at Pivot, right, was into health and fitness, which also would take a while And I was totally broke at that point. I burned through all my savings. I, I, I know the feeling. (laughs) Yeah. I almost would be homeless if I wouldn't get a job. And so uh, lucky enough, I was uh, in a co-working space. In that co-working space, there was a founder. He raised a bunch of funding and he was a one man show. He didn't have any team. He had a previous success, so he was able to raise based on that previous success. And so he was looking for a team. And I was working in that sort of new direction. I was figuring things out. And he was looking for help. So I started just helping him out of just helping another founder. And then he basically said, hey, Helena, come work for me. Come run my product and marketing. And I'm like, yeah, I th- it's a good proposition, but you know, I'm a founder. I'm working on my own thing. 
<laughs> but then I'm, I'm thinking to myself, what am I doing? I have to find a job. And this is a job that's offered to me. So that's how I started working with that founder. And that is a live streaming technology startup where they were basically creating a way for celebrities to FaceTime with their fans, which was on its own consumer product. It sounds like it was before its time. Yeah, definitely. It was before its time. Because with Cameo, I mean, I know Cameo isn't FaceTiming, but Cameo celebrities can create little videos for their fans. And it. I feel like that there's definitely a need for that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The only thing is there's a misconception that if you have celebrities in your app, the app is going to scale super quick and grow and you can monetize through ads. And that's a misconception. Actually, Quibi is a good use case for it. Just because you have a bunch of celebrities doesn't mean that it's going to be a good business. Yeah. And Quibi, by the way, is an app that got like bazillion dollars in funding and just blew up recently. Right, right. Like blew up as in (laughs) self-destructed. Right. right. (laughs) Not the good kind of blow up. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. There's certain things that you got to do right if you want a specific business to be right. And when it comes to content, there are certain things that Quibi had to do to have a chance to succeed. And let's put it this way. Having a lot of celebrities was not one of them. They had to implement viral mechanisms. Not only they didn't implement viral mechanisms, they prevented people from taking screenshots uh, in the app. So that just kind of tells you of, of them not understanding what they were building. And kind of bring it back to the story with that startup, they ended up pivoting to enterprise. But when they were doing the celebrity app, just because they had celebrities did not take them to the growth trajectory that they wanted because they did not have the um, retention. And with consumer and quite frankly, with any product, it's all about retention, engagement and retention. And if you have engagement and retention, even if you have 10 users, 20 users, but they are logging in every day and using the app religiously, you have something in your hands. Just, um, just the, how do they say it? Pour uh, fuel on the fire, right? They usually say it with funding, uh, but it's the same with engagement. If you have engagement and retention figured out, you're not going to have a leaky bucket, as they say, when you do marketing. Those people that convert, those uh, customers that convert, they will stay in your app and you will continue growing. So yeah, and in that specific case, because there were celebrities in that app that I was uh, doing product management for, but there was no retention. After the celebrity would finish their live session, users would never come back to the app mm. until there's another session. And the part there also was the celebrities were getting paid. They were not doing it to grow their audience or anything like that. So you can't just burn through cash and uh, expect and, and hope for the app to grow. That's like literally the sin, the sin of, of, of a consumer product. Uh, so yeah, anyways, learn a lot about the consumer. <laughs> What's your favorite tool, your favorite software or app or website? Uh, good question. I have a few that I use. Uh, let me see. Well, Slack I use every day. Usually favorites are things that we use every day. I use my recording app on my phone a lot too when I want to like record thoughts. So the voice memos recording app on iPhone 
is a great tool for me to record my thoughts. And Twitter, actually, Twitter is a great tool too. Dude, a lot of people have said Twitter. It's so interesting. It is a great tool. I think people don't know how to use Twitter. There's a very, I can't, I've always butchered your guy's name. It's something like Daniel Vesalio or something. Message me on, um, on social and I, I'm happy to send you the link. He has a great course on how to think about being a value-based communicator on Twitter. Yeah, I've been uh, following a lot of influencers and thought leaders and specifically marketing and SaaS recently. And there's nothing better than Twitter for that. There's Instagram, there's that semi good, but Twitter is like the feed of their conscious. It's like I can see everything they're sharing, I can follow them. So Twitter is an amazing tool for business, for founders. Any last thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah, so if anyone wants to connect with me over email at helena at allfactors.com. And if you want to uh, be part of the private beta for All Factors, the web marketing analytics software, go to allfactors.com and you will see it right away. You can put your email and we'll get you into the software. So I'm looking forward to seeing you on the list or receiving your email. This podcast is amazing. I was listening to episodes before this recording and I was thinking to myself, oh my God, it's amazing. I love getting inspired by other, it can be entrepreneurs, it can be just people who achieve things that they want in life despite uh, the struggles. In fact, the more struggles they have and they end up achieving what they want, the more I get inspired. And you have so many inspirational stories in your podcast, uh, programmers, uh, a bunch of people who switched jobs, entered to, to a space they didn't know and figured it out. So you're doing amazing things. And yeah, and I just wanted to tell you that Thank I'm very you. proud of you and I'm so happy to be connected. And the flowers, flowers, flowers. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. You've been amazing. Everybody listening, if you want to connect and collaborate with more extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. Takes you straight there. That's womenintechvip.com to go straight to the Facebook group. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Helena Ronis, co-founder and CEO of All Factors, the most insightful web marketing analytics software. I'm based in Santa Clara, California, and you're listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.